the improv comes into its own because Dan said it's a co-creation. As stutterers, we live in our own heads. How is my speech? What am I going to say? What is the listener going to think? And we're so concerned with ourselves that we that we really underdevelop our listening skills with other people, which only reinforces the fear of speech and expression. Welcome to Some Stutter Law, a podcast by the Newfoundland Labrador Stuttering Association Collaborative. Some Stutter Law is Newfoundland Labrador's first podcast about living with language disorders. We speak directly to people living with speech and language disorders and others such as speech language pathologists, researchers, educators, and family members. We use inclusive language and themes to help rebuild confidence and hope by dismantling myths, stigma, stereotypes, and barriers. My name is Greg O'Grady, and I'm a person who stutters and, a, and the co-host of Some Stutter Law, Newfoundland Labrador's first podcast about communication disorders, along with my co-host. And I'm Caitlin Mayo. I'm a speech-language pathology student, and I'm Greg's co-host on this podcast. Some Stutter Law mission is dismantling and rebuilding stuttering. Let's start listening. Some Stutter Law mandate is in the spirit of Newfoundland Labrador's humor, robust and frank interactive discussions. Some Stutter Law podcast aims to rebuild confidence and hope for today and tomorrow's persons who live with speech, language and communication barriers by dismantling stuttering myths, stigmas, stereotypes and barriers. The objectives of Some Stutter Law podcast are raising awareness, education, understanding, and acceptance of stuttering and communication disorders within our province by providing support, current information, research, and resources about stuttering, raising awareness that communication disorders are a quality of life issue. Throughout life, stuttering and other communication impairments can impact a person's life emotionally, educationally, physically, socially, and vocationally. Some Stutter Law podcast is a safe space where guests can be themselves without fear of being judged. Today, uh, Some Stutter Law welcomes three, uh, three people from a tightrope improv theater, improv in Vancouver. Both improv and improv are short for improvisation. And so, you know, so we'd like to welcome, first of all, Dan Thumshaw. And Dan is thrilled to lead Tightrope's offerings for the workplace for, and for health and wellness. His passion is to bring learners into the moment together where co-creation can happen. A graduate of Queen's University Drama and an artist in community education, Dan has been performing and teaching theater and improv for over 20 years. And welcome Wendy Duke. Wendy is a scuba diver, very bad amateur jazz drummer and traveler. When she isn't playing, she is a registered speech language pathologist who has been working with people who stutter since before all of us were born. <laughs> I actually like that, Wendy. She is the clinical director at Columbia Speech and Language Services Insync and a, a clinical assistant professor in the School of Audiology and Speech Sciences at UBC. 
and welcome Robert O'Brien. Robert is an author and an educator who immigrated to Canada over 10 years ago to study acting in Vancouver. Having stuttered his whole life, he turned to performance as a way to embrace his speech. Today, he is committed to sharing his experience and empowering others to do the same with the message that there is nothing to fix. And I like that, Robert, nothing to fix. So well, welcome. Dan, Wendy, and Robert. So, so would would each each of like you like to share with our listeners how how did you become involved in improv? Well, I'll kick it off there, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the improv. I'm the improv part of the equation here. I became involved in improv. I would say in grade five when I begged my elementary school teacher to start a drama club. And at that drama club, my grade five and then my grade six teacher did a scene for us where they pretended to see aliens land. And I was transfixed. I saw these adults making believe in an improv scene and I loved it. And so I went on to high school and studied drama. And then I went to university and studied drama and did plays and comedy. And then I became a high school teacher and coached kids who got involved in the Canadian improv games. Then I moved to Vancouver and became an improviser myself. So that's been my story of how I found improv. I got involved very young. And now that I have this theater, Tightrope Improv Theater, that I helped to run the wellness and work practice in, I like to bring improv into the community to different populations and uh, our latest pilot program that has led into a regular program has been called the unblockables and this has been a partnership with robert and wendy so i think that's a good place for wendy to take the baton and because it was really her idea this whole <laughs> endeavor sure so um i've heard i've told this story a few times but it's uh, it it's a true story so it tends to be kind of consistent from time to time. I met Dan totally by accident. It was just a weird coincidence. I have a cabin up on the Sunshine Coast of BC and Dan rented it for Christmas last year. And when I found out that he did improv and that he does improv for people with Parkinson's, I then also found out that he's taught a friend of mine who has Parkinson's. So I said to him, you know, Dan, one day we have to get together and do improv for people who stutter because people who stutter need to tell more jokes and they need to be a little more playful with their speech and a little more confident with what they're doing with their speech. So much to my delight, Dan was all over the idea. He thought it was great. Uh, I also had the kind of coincidental meeting with Robert a few years ago when I went to a book promotion event with him to help him introduce his book. Maybe what, about four years ago, five years I think ago? It was, I no, I think it was about four, three, yeah. three or four. It, it's three certainly four. not five. Yeah. Okay. And so <laughs> I, I just thought to myself that I remembered that Robert 
is not only a person who stutters, but that he has an acting background. And I thought he'd just be a perfect complement for this program. And so I invited Robert and Dan was okay with that. And we've become like the three musketeers. So it's been just really fun, really fun to do it. I think you're up to bat, Robert. That's me. Yeah, thank you, Wendy. Um, so yes, as Wendy said, I met her at a book event, um, but I'll take you back just a little bit because I am a person who stutters myself. And I went through speech therapy back home and uh, I went on a course called the Maguire program when I had graduated university at about 25. And I had discovered the tools and techniques to control my speech. And once I was in a more fluent position that inspired me to pursue public speaking, uh, speech making through Toastmasters, and that led to acting school, which eventually led to Vancouver, because this was sci-fi city, and they were shooting shows like Stargate SG-1 here, and I wanted to pursue that. Um, but when I came over, and just in terms of the stress of living alone and coping alone here, I found that my fluency wasn't as strong as I would have liked, and the acting Really, uh, when it came to auditioning and the stresses on set, my speech usually didn't hold up very well. So I haven't pursued the acting um, as my focus in the last few years, uh, but I did write a book and I published the book. It's called Just One More Drive, the true story of a stuttering homosexual and his race car. Um, because uh, at the point, it just felt, felt like the right thing to do. And it deals with stuttering it deals with mental health and it also uh, deals with the similarities with being gay in terms of the mental processes of having a stutter. And that's how I met Wendy. I had invited her to a book event and she came to my surprise because I literally contacted her out of the blue. And uh, when the Unblockables came up, Wendy asked me, would I like to be involved? And I jumped at it because it gives me a wonderful opportunity to bring my lived experience as a, as a stutterer, as well as the actor training I have, which also allows me to understand where Dan is coming from. And as Wendy said, it does feel like we've become the three musketeers at this point. It's a brilliant experience. <laughs> well, uh, Robert, this, you know, this, you know, uh, this, you know, this is, 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 is a small world because I just finished reading your book two weeks ago. Oh wow! Yeah, and I love uh, you know love the uh, the book. I really did, and uh, yeah. So you know, so we you know like I had to order it online, but it was excellent, excellent. Yeah. So so yeah. you know thank you know thank you very much for for sharing your story. I appreciated that. You know. Thank you. So now this you know this you know this, you know this you know. This is the $64 question is, now, now what, you know, what is improv or improvisation? What's the whole uh, uh, philosophy behind it? So I'll, I'll take the first stab at that one because <laughs> I guess I, I've started the improv theater. So we consider improvisation the art form of spontaneous storytelling. And what differentiates improv from other comedy, like sketch comedy or stand-up comedy or theater, is that it is collaborative. So you have two or more people building ideas together in real time. 
It often involves audience suggestions. And there is this element of thinking on your feet and creating together, co-creating. So improv or improvisation is around making it up as you go with someone else. And I'm going to jump in and say that for my older teens and adults who stutter, who come to me for therapy, it's just the perfect compliment because I'm being kind of, can I say hard ass on your show? Is that okay? I'm a bit hard ass. That's okay. No problem. No problem. Okay, good. And, and strict, you know, they, I, they are here with me because they've made a choice that they want to learn techniques that will enable them to be more fluent when it's important to them to be more fluent. So I go into it with that attitude that they want fluency when they want it and that I'm going to give them the skills they need to facilitate that. But at the same time, I also believe that it's so important for people who stutter to have fun, to be more confident, especially when you're talking about adults. And I think Robert, you could certainly uh, speak to this and maybe will. Adults who stutter grew up, most of you in a time when stuttering was something wrong with you. And people were always trying to fix you, not because you wanted it, but because other people were uncomfortable with what you were doing and they thought it would be good for you to be, quote, fixed. So it's just so wonderful to take people who have grown up and internalized that criticism about their speech and just be playful and have fun with it. So it's just wonderful. When people who stutter are doing improv, some magical things happen that really never cease to impress me. For instance, one thing is that they just get out of their heads, so they tend to stutter less, although that's not the purpose, but that is something that seems to happen. Would, would you agree with that, Robert and Dan, that they tend to stutter less when they're doing these games? And the other thing is that they, they can't plan what they're going to say. And so many people who stutter spend a lot of time planning what they're going to do. They're just in their heads trying to avoid stuttering or having anxiety about a certain word or sound they think they might stutter on. But when they're doing improv, they can't plan it. So they don't, there's no point in having that anxiety. So in a weird way, even though they're performing, they kind of give up the anxiety of it. Very powerful tool. Yeah, I would agree. I think what both Dan and Wendy have said is, is kind of two sides of the same coin. As someone who stutters myself, I pursued acting in a way to get away from Robert, the, the person who stutters. And there is a certain freedom in acting and performing where you get to try on different hats and you, you know, get to express yourself as someone other than who you are. The big stumbling block for me was always when you had a scripted scene or scripted performance where you have to be on script. That's where having the stutter comes in. And Wendy just said it, that 
we spend our lives trying to edit out feared words or we try to if we're learning tools and techniques we're very conscious of using our speech technique first rather than what is it that we want to express and as adults particularly we 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 effectively and i mean i'm a case in point of this i mean you just spoke about the book i didn't have a clue who i was i had no idea who i was because i'd never learned how to express myself or ask for things or be honest so the key to the Im- improv i find number one it does get us out of our heads it's important to have tools and i think wendy's Wendy's point of learning tools and technique for control when we need it is incredibly valid, but we don't need that all the time. And in spaces of expression, the improv comes into its own because Dan said it's a co-creation. As stutterers, we live in our own heads. How is my speech? What am I going to say? What is the listener going to think? And we're so concerned with ourselves that we, that we really underdevelop our listening skills with other people, which only reinforces the fear of speech and expression. So it's the listening, particularly in the improv games, because you have to. And there is no planning, so there's no scripting. There's that fear is removed. And it's the co it's the co-creation. I believe it's when a stutterer or people who stutter connect in a much more authentic humanistic way and have fun. I agree. Well, uh, you know, it's going to yeah. gonna go off and off and off. <laughs> we, ins- we inspire each other. Yeah, I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> you we know, really I, like doing this. It's fun. Yeah. We like it. Yeah, well, you know, it, 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 it actually sounds like fun. And you're, you know, you're, you know, you're, you know, you're right, because people who, who, who stutter really you know, take ourselves so serious, serious, because we're always so obsessed about how you know our stuttering? We're trying to you know trying to avoid certain words, certain situations, phone calls especially. And uh, but but you know so so really I mean the more I'm mean, more that I'm listening to to you is that so it's almost like like people who stutter are, are playing a role. They're, they're you know they're you know they're, they're actually risking to to actually be free and just to be spontaneous. Am I correct? I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, but but I'm just wondering now, how you know how, how would that translate into a real life? I mean, this is this is Greg O'Grady, who is act, playing different roles of being very spontaneous, uh, just saying things, you know, saying words that I, uh, you know, like I wouldn't normally say. How would that trans translate into like my my the real world when I'm going out? I'd like to speak to that if I may. Because right now, we are about 52 hours into a 100-hour intensive stuttering treatment program that we run here at Columbia Speech and Language Services in Vancouver for adults and older teens who stutter. Yesterday, I mentioned earlier that we were on a high because we had such a blast yesterday afternoon in a workshop my group of men, it was all men, who stutter and are in my intensive clinic right now, went to Dan's theater to do improv. And Dan and Robert both very kindly volunteered their time. 
and Dan volunteered his space to give them a taste of having fun with their speech through improv. Well, today, when they came back in, a couple of things happened that really struck me. One was they were an even more cohesive group after yesterday afternoon than they had been before. Now, these guys have spent, you know, like I say, 52 hours together. So they know each other pretty well, but they were really cohesive. The other thing that happened is that they were all a bit more fluent. It just seemed like they were a bit more willing to be less serious about themselves. And they all commented on it. It was really quite striking. Now, that's not exactly real life, which is what you were asking about, Greg, but it's an experience that we that's very fresh in my mind that shows how this can translate to a different activity and to a different venue. Can I jump in as well to add to that? Please. Because I, I think just to speak to what Greg is asking, I, I would, I mean, I, I struggled with that idea of acting, pretending to be someone else or running away from my stuttering persona. And I think just to clarify, uh, everything that we do, it's, it's, an, it's an added tool. It's an added tool in your toolbox. So whether it's a stuttering technique or improv training, it's just one, it's, it's another tool on one level. And I think the experience for myself as someone who stutters, and I'll speak of my own experiences, um, as I've done more of it and I've gotten older, it's become less about being fluent and less about performance. It's more in the knowledge that I'm more than just my stutter. I'm more than just my speech. By getting accustomed to doing anything, and if it's an improv scene and I stutter, I learn to desensitize myself to having a stutter, and I learn to laugh at the stutter. So even in real life, if you're having a bad day, if you're blocking on your name or you're having a bad phone call, in the past, I would have torn myself apart. I would have closed down, and I would have avoided the phone for a month. But with this kind of training, it's really taught me to lighten up. And this idea of laughing, learning to laugh, not at ourselves, but with ourselves, because the stutter is not going away. This isn't a cure for speech therapy. And we're not advocating that people go around acting scenes in their daily life either. But I do feel very strongly when I have a bad day and I'm on the cusp of about to make myself wrong. I can smile and go, it was just a bad day. It's okay. Dan actually teaches us to um, celebrate mis mistakes and celebrating the mistakes gives the freedom to, to, you know, get over that bad experience and not take yourself down. And that's how I would say it can affect someone in the real world. It's not a direct, direct effect on their speech or fluency. It's more a mental process of learning to let go of the significance of the stutter. Yeah, this is a big concept in improv, failing forward and embracing mistakes. And we believe that it's the fastest way to learn. And when you can change your attitude towards mistakes, you change your reaction when a mistake happens. So when you learn to embrace mistakes, when you make a mistake, instead of being frustrated, or being embarrassed, you can use that mistake as a chance to 
be mindful, get in the moment, laugh, and you change the next two to five minutes of your life. Because instead of cursing and hitting that lamp that you always bang your head on, you can take a deep breath and say, ah, a good reminder to move a bit slower through the house. I'm rushing, right? So these little mistakes are chances for us to grow, for us to learn. And when we can embrace mistakes, we get closer to staying in the present. And when you're in the present, you can really co-create with someone else and connect with them instead of judging what's happened in the past or planning what's happened in the future. When uh, when the when you know when you you know when uh, when you work with uh, people starting in 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 improv, do you also incorporate speech therapy at all, or is it strictly like two separate en en entities? Can you clarify that question a little bit? Yeah, I'm not quite sure what like, you mean. Sure, when you know when you you know when you work you know work you know you know work you know work with with a person who stutters, you you know you're also a speech language. Pathologists, do 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 you know? Do you also also incorporate any like targets, any speech therapy targets into uh, in in conjunction with the, the improv? Well, I see them as two complementary pieces that might have a bit of overlap, but really they're as I was explaining to the guys yesterday, they're kind of like one is a glass half full approach and one is a glass half empty approach. So, you know, when we're doing the clinic, we're using speech therapy techniques and we're certainly never berating people for stuttering, obviously, or at least I hope that's obvious, but we are trying to get them not to stutter. To, we're, get them, we're getting them to have tools that will enable them to reduce their stuttering. So that is what it's about in the clinic. But being in the clinic is a really specific activity that they have self-selected themselves for, that they want to do for a particular purpose. So I think it would be wrong of me in the context of the clinic to say, yeah, great, you're stuttering, let's celebrate it, it's so much fun, when that's not what they're there for. So we don't want to do the opposite, of course, but we do want to give them techniques in their toolbox, their arsenal, as I think Robert said, to try to control their stuttering when they want to, recognizing it's not going to be possible for anybody to do it. I've already stuttered at least twice while I'm talking to you. That's completely normal. Everybody stutters. I picked on poor Dan yesterday when he stuttered and pointed that out to the whole group. See, he did it too, just like I said. So this is something different. The benefit is to have fun, to have a good experience, even though you're stuttering. And also to serve as a bit of a maintenance activity. Like that was my original intention in imagining this was that people come through our intensive program. They work really, really hard. If they're going to maintain the gains, they have to keep working really, really hard. Just like if you go to a personal trainer to get in shape, you can't stop exercising when you finish with that trainer or you're gonna be back where you started. But you know, we want to have 
activities that will encourage them to keep connected with each other, to have a community that's supportive and that to enjoy each other's company and conversation. So I really envisioned it first as kind of a type of follow-up, but it's more than that. Like it's also for people who haven't been in my program or similar programs. Don't know if that quite answers the question that you were asking. Uh, you know, like, like in ter terms of, of a maintenance program, you know, like so, so when you know when you know when a client and you know enters your in, improv program, is, is there a certain number of sessions? And if so, is there a maintenance program following that? And and what what is the maintenance program like? Yes, yes, there's maintenance program. So we do approximately a hundred hours of treatment over about a month. And the way that is structured is, is quite carefully structured so people don't have to take more than one week off work. So we start on a Friday night, we go all day Saturday, Sunday, all the way through to the next Sunday. That's nine and a half days. Then we have a gap of about 12 days where people try to integrate those techniques into their daily lives. So they go back to work. They go back home, they go back to their social circles, back to school. Then we bring them back for two and a half days for Friday night, Saturday, Sunday to complete the program. And at that point, of course, people will inevitably have had some hiccups along the way when they're actually doing it in their regular lives. So we use that two and a half day weekend to fine tune their maintenance program. But what we also do, which goes to your question, Greg, is that that completer weekend for the current clients also serves as a refresher weekend for former clients. So December 3rd to 5th, we're going to have these guys that I'm working with this week come back but they will be joined by people from previous clinics. So for the previous clinic people, it serves as a refresher opportunity. For the current people, it serves as a wider audience for them to practice their fluent speaking skills in front of and to learn some tips about what to do and what not to do. Beyond that, we also build into our the cost of our clinic, we build in follow-up for two years. It's you know, just, they don't pay extra for that. So there's follow-up at six months, 12 months and 24 months. And then anybody can just schedule individual sessions whenever they want. So lots of different kinds of follow-up. Never seems to be quite enough. We're always looking for different ways to do it. And this is a different and fun way to do it. I'm sure Caitlin has some questions. <laughs> I have a question for Caitlin. Where sure. are you a student? Sorry? Where are you a student? I am at Western. At Western. Okay, that's wonderful. So the person I was just waving to, you might have seen me wave as someone was um, walking out of the office. Uh, he's a new grad from Western. I have two new grads from Western working here from Whoa. last year's. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm fond of Western grads. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I definitely have lots of questions. Uh, the kind of the first one uh, that I want uh, to sorry, uh, sorry, Caitlin. Uh, Wendy, yeah. just let just let you know we need Caitlin in back in Newfoundland though. Okay. No. We we need her back in Newfoundland. Yeah. She 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 will be a trailblazer for people to stutter, especially mm -hmm. being my co-host. <laughs> You know, just just think of all experiences she, she's getting now. <laughs> Go ahead, Caitlin. I'm sorry to throw you off there. Oh no, that's all right. <laughs> um, so the the biggest thing that I wanted to kind of discuss is because I I had friends through high school that um were involved in improv and it's it was for them like a a very good kind of emotional release, um, kind of a creative outlet. Um, and I mean, improv was never my thing, but I always did have a creative outlet, whether it be singing, dancing, kind of something to kind of get me out of my own head. Um, and I'm just wondering, because there's so many, you know, emotional and psychological impacts of stuttering, what you've seen as like the benefits of improv for people who stutter dealing with these difficult emotions and kind of working through that. I'd like to... Bounce that question to Robert, if I may. What do you think about that, Robert? I mean, I'll yeah. jump into later. No, no, no. I think I'm just considering it because it's actually an it's 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 an amazing question, and I'm just considering how I phrase it to answer it. I think a lot of to to begin with the idea of speech therapy, from my experience, and I could be wrong, but in the past there's been a huge focus on the physical aspects of breathing techniques and tools and remaining in control. And in the past, there was very little attention paid to the emotional aspects to it. So I think it's a very relevant question to ask. And in terms of the improv as an out, outlet for emotion, it's, it is a great access. It's a very direct access because it really involves living in the moment, as Dan said. I discovered for myself a lot of, I mean, I, well, I was obviously aware of a lot of emotions, fear, hate, um, avoidance, very much self-conscious. Um, and I think I touched on it earlier. I didn't know who I actually was. I had no idea who I authentically was because I'd never learned to express it. So the Im improv and the acting generally is what I was drawn to because it was a huge freedom. Uh, because I did, I was basically learning about me when I was acting in scenes and learning, learning my own voice. When I'm in an improv scene, it doesn't have to sound like me. It can if, it, if, I, if I want to, but it, it's a real arena to play. And Dan said, it's a safe space. I would caveat all of that and say that it's not a form of ther therapy. And I may have been approaching it as a way of therapy as well, dealing with emotions, coming out as gay. I dealt with that after the stutter, partially through acting, and it was a way to access those emotions. So I think it's a great tool, but I would, I would also say that, um, that, that, you do, that you do need to be cautious. You can open up a floodgate of, of emotions that someone who stutters maybe has no idea where this is coming from or how to deal with it. And it might not be a stuttering issue per se it could be a deeper emotional issue so i i mean and i mean you know from from my own experience of actor training a lot of people who go into acting do i think tend to have wounds 
and they can, you know, they kind of use those in a way, good and bad. But for people who stutter, I would, I, I, I would be cautious in the sense, if you're someone who's just starting out on speech therapy, I would just be a little bit cautious and say, just be aware, this may open up emotions and things that you may want to look at. And speech therapy isn't the only option. I think, I mean, um, Greg, you may agree with me on this. Uh, you know, going to a, a counselor and talking about mental health aspects as well can be a good aspect in dealing with the physical aspects of speech, or sorry, the physical aspects of stuttering and the mental aspects of stuttering, because they, they are in many ways linked. And you can't deal with just the physical and not deal with the, with the emotional or mental. And the goal of a course like ours, like with Dan, Wendy and myself, because each of us bring our, our own focus to it, I think we'd you know, probably have, have one of our eyes on that side to it. But I think it's, it's yeah, it's a great tool, but it should also be, you know, I think you should also be made aware that, that you are un, unlocking possibly repressed emotions that may also need to be dealt with and brought into you over time. Can I jump in a little bit there? Because it kind of breaks my heart to hear you say, Robert, that um, speech therapy and your experience is purely focused on, or mostly focused on the physical and not on the emotional. And I just want to tell you that that to me is a pretty old fashioned approach to yeah. stuttering treatment. I think more and more, like one of the homework activities that my guys have tonight is to identify honestly and candidly what their automatic negative thoughts are about their speech. Um, today, we had a session where half of, no, they all brought in a guest for half an hour so that that person would know what they've been doing, what they're capable of, and how they can support that person. I mean, this one guy who you both met yesterday, I won't say his name, um, he brought in his boss. I mean, I just thought that was incredibly insightful of him. And I really applauded him for his courage in doing that. And when I asked him why, he said, well, you said that we should bring in the people who we're really concerned about speaking with. And this is a guy I'm really concerned about speaking with on my daily life. So I'd like to think we've moved beyond that. I think yeah. we increase the emotional challenge. We do work on the physical, but as I'd explained to the guys in this clinic, we start with that, we make everything about it dead easy, but then we ramp it up in a systematic and hierarchical way so that we are, we're increasing the linguistic complexity of what we do. We're com we are increasing the, um, the cognitive load of what we do, the emotional content. You know, so it's very different to ask them to just do some kind of dry monologue where they describe the color of the paint on the wall while monitoring the physical aspects of speech and jumping there to a lively debate about what they think of Donald Trump 
is a different kind of task. So there's many, many different ways. Yeah, no, no. And I mean, just yeah. to just just to kind of state, as I said, when I actually did formal speech therapy, this was over 25 years ago. So I mean, yeah. yes, my my experience would be out of date. But I would still stand by what I said in the case yeah, of yeah. people who who have had a stutter, maybe don't actually fully, fully under understand feelings and emotions that may be dragged up even through doing exercises like I, I, that. Yes, yes. But, I, but, I, but yes, um, I, I am very much out of date on that side and I am only talking from my own experience. And I do see I've definitely noticed even in my own courses back home there's more focus now on the on the emotional side and I think that's wonderful because that's really where I think it needs to be to be taken for long-term recovery because it is so so much more than just tools it's the long-term into integration of that person and it is so important and it's not always enough what you can get within you know we can address some psychosocial emotional aspects of stuttering within our treatment but for most people that's not enough it would also be helpful to include their families and what we're doing and to suggest that they have some sessions with a counselor to talk about some of these issues because it's a stuttering to me it's like an onion like you you take one layer off and then there's another layer underneath and then there's another layer underneath and another one underneath and on it goes and you can't just think of the one layer as being the whole and the thing is as well just to jump in like having a stutter it's a it's a life life long journey it's a journey with you and your speech and as you grow and change and evolve it will also grow change and evolve and i do believe at this point in my own life that it's a life long journey and there isn't one course or one thing that's ever going to you know give any answer because it'll be an it'll be an ongoing ex exploration and i think that's where the you know the real journey is and i'm just recognizing that caitlin said she had lots of questions yeah sorry caitlin (laughs) no worries no worries great conversation (laughs) i did kind of want to to ask a question on that similar a similar note um, just kind of what your thoughts might be on the need for both more counselors who have an awareness and some form of education about stuttering and communication disorders or a need for SLPs who have more training in counseling. Is that something you think would be beneficial for the stuttering community, communication disorders as a whole? Oh, I have opinions on that. But can I let Robert go first? Um, maybe you should go first. Uh, no, um, I think... I think there's, I, I'm, I'm sort of trying to pre- preempt now what sort of Wendy's going to say. I think really there's so many options out there and I've gone through speech therapy, I've gone through counseling, I've done a lot of personal growth and work myself. And I think there's a risk of people wearing too many hats. And um, that's where I, I, I would be cautious of having someone with say, with say both skills. I think what you're actually pointing to is more listening skills. I think in a sort of general way, and I think Dan might be able to speak to this, listening skills in the space of hearing what the person is actually saying rather than, than the words or the actual, fl- actual fluency. Because in the acting, what I love about the actor training is the listening skills and the presence. And I think that 
would actually bring a lot more to any trained um, cl clinical professional. Dan, go ahead and then I'll jump in. This is the way we run our class. So <laughs> I introduce an improv game and Wendy gives us insight on the speech therapy side of it and what part of her training we're activating with the game. And then Robert reflects on his experience as someone with a stutter and ties it all together. Um, and I and I have to keep the show on the road. I gotta keep going, you know, keep us through getting getting through some exercises. Uh, this idea of your personal experience and dealing with uh, you know your own baggage as you bring it to an improv class. This comes up in the improv classes that I teach for folks who aren't identified to be there for a reason other than just learning improv. You know, this ability to be in the moment and to listen to each other, it brings up all kinds of stuff. The other day I was teaching a class. This was for the improv for work side of the theater. I was teaching two executives and I started with this idea that you are enough, that your ideas are enough and that you have value right now just by being here. And one of the executives started crying. It really brought up a lot for her around perfectionism and control and trying to be something and show something. So when we work with this population of folks who have a stutter, there is a lot that comes up in the class. And you can see why this pairing of the three of us works so well for this program because we're each bringing something so different to the table. So I agree with all that, totally. I am gonna go back to Caitlin's question, though if I can paraphrase it to make sure I'm remembering it properly and addressing it properly, you were asking, should we have more counselors who understand stuttering or should we have more speech pathologists who understand counseling or both? Is that kind of where you were headed with your question? Yeah, if, if either of those things were something that were needed. Yeah, I think it's a really complicated question. And I agree with what Robert says. It is, you have to be careful of people wearing too many hats and not doing any one thing particularly well. We have to be, as speech pathologists, we have to be extremely mindful of the psychosocial, emotional stuff that goes along with it. And we have to do some work with how people feel about their stuttering and what their anxieties are around it. But we are not counselors, absolutely not. And we should not be stepping out of our expertise and pretending that we are. There is a difference between counseling around the speech problem and being a counselor for someone who has a speech problem. And we have to be mindful of that. Now, on the other hand, I've seen so many people over my career where they've gone to a counselor who has basically given them some version of a message that this is all in your head. And that's a dangerous message. That's not fair. People shouldn't have the burden of feeling that it's their fault that they stutter for some reason. Like we abandoned that thinking about stuttering probably back in the 40s, you know, if not earlier. It's, it's not 
like that. So I think both professions have to be very respectful of the other professions involved and of the individual they're dealing with and what their own particular wheelhouse is. You don't want to be stepping out of your wheelhouse, but you also don't want to be too timid about putting a toe in there if it might be helpful. Absolutely. I really appreciate that perspective. It's not something that I've heard from a lot of people when I brought this up. Um, what have you heard? I'm so curious. Well, I mean, I, I kind of always, I, I always bring it up in terms of I'm hoping to do a master's of counseling as well, but I'm coming from the, the, the view that both professions could benefit from education. Not everybody who's an SLP needs to be a trained counselor also, but right we don't get enough education about counseling in our program. There's just simply not enough time. So if one person can go and do both things and then be able to provide some of that education and then also provide some of that education to counselors, then, you know, you're getting that, you know, they're, they're being able to be mindful of those things more so than they were able to without kind of taking sure. on too many hats. And so, but whenever I, whenever I bring up my, my desire to do a second degree and do my master's in counseling, I just get a lot of people telling me, oh, great like having both of those skills is great and it doesn't go past that, which is true, but it, it, it's further than that. I've known two speech pathologists who have done that. One of them had a particular interest in, in stuttering and she also got a second qualification as a counselor. And my impression was that she did a pretty good job of it. You know, she had a different approach than I would have. We, you know, she's now retired, unfortunately, because I used to refer to her a lot. And we would call her um, the stuttering teddy bear, and she would call us the stuttering Nazis. So, <laughs> you know, different approaches. But, uh, you know, we both had tons of respect for each other because people need different things that different, different people need different things and the same person needs different things at different points in their lives. So, so that's fine. But you do have to be mindful of not thinking a little bit of knowledge is going to make you be skilled at counseling everything it, it's not the case. It's a, it's a career in and of itself, and we need to be giving the education to each other for sure, absolutely for sure, but we also need to be respectful of what we know and what we don't know. Absolutely. And on a practical note, if I can just interject this, the second person I knew who had dual qualification, she actually worked with me for a while. She worked with us. She's a speech pathologist in the medical system. She worked in our clinic, but as a clinical counselor. And yeah, it wasn't really super successful. She's great. She's great. But it just, our business model didn't quite fit for one trivial, but really important practical reason. People expect to come to our clinic and have services that are GST exempt and that they can right off as a medical expense. Clinical counselors can't do that in Canada. So that became a complication. And just, you know, what exactly was she doing? Was she doing speech or was she doing counseling? Different rates for different services. It just became really complicated. And 
she's anyway, she's still doing counseling, but she's doing it specifically outside of speech. Like she's become a counselor pretty much solely. Does that answer your question? Probably not. Probably I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's just it's in interesting to hear all the different sides of things and kind of how that fits with the plans that I've been making up in my head for so many years and, and how it influences that because obviously as, as much as I have kind of a solid thought out plan more so than a lot of people in my, you know, first semester class, I'm still in my first semester. So there's still a lot that I'm learning and changing how I'm hoping to progress in this career. Please feel free to reach out to me. You've got my email and we can talk about this at some length. And I don't mean to put you off counseling. I'm just saying that it's it's not um, it's not a perfect solution for the problem problem you're identifying. Okay. <laughs> you, you know, you know, just you know, just uh, listening, you know, listening to the you know the you know the the the, the conversation here reminds me of of the you know. The F, you know, the you know, you know, the you know, the you know, the African proverb, you know, proverb that it it takes a village to raise and raise a child, and so so I feel that you you know that you know that really takes a a team to care for you know for people who who stutter, and so you know. So we have a strong sense that the you know the you know the three of you are you know like are really good 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 you know team, and that you know that the three of you work you know work well together, and so so I feel that you know like listening you know listening to the the conversation about the. You know, in, uh, the the like the you know whether or not a speech language therapist should also be, you know, a a a counselor as well. It actually you know reminds me of my, my you know my thoughts about the uh, Joseph Sheen's iceberg, the, the, the tip of the base iceberg. We all know that the 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 stats that the 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 temp, tip of the iceberg is ten percent of the stuttering, which is a physical component. What I'm doing now. And uh, but the the ninety percent is is the below the surface the emotional component. Uh, you know, based on my lived experience as a person who stutters, I feel that the you know the you know the you know the tip of the iceberg is one percent of the stutter. Ninety nine percent of the stutter is the below the tip of the iceberg. And uh, so you know, so I you know I support that you know the need for speech language pathologists pathologists to have some insight into the, you know the, you know into the you know into the emotional component whereas you know I feel that the you know that an SLP needs you know need you know you know needs to know when they need to bring in somebody else someone who's trained a psychologist a counselor you know whatever and so so I feel that you know you know they actually go hand in hand to you know to you know to support a person who stutters because you know, Marshall, you know, I'm sure sure that you know Robert knows as well. We you know we use people who stutter, and, and also like your, your you know your your analogy, Wendy, about an onion. There's so much involved in this emotional component. 
this, 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 this is a lifetime repression. It's a lifetime thing that we have to, to do dig through. So I think it actually takes a team to, you know, to work together. And so, so, you know, so I applaud, you know, applaud the three of you for, you know, for being a really good team. Does that make, make sense? I'm rambling here. <laughs> That's great, Greg. Yeah, thank you so much. And it's great that you you see that in us because uh, one of the joys in creating this program and all the work that Robert and Wendy and I have put in together is that we've embodied the spirit of improv. It has been a collaboration. And we're still building this program and we're encouraged by each other. So the next time we're offering it will be January. Right now it's still virtual and we're kicking it off January 15th. It's a three session program, January 15th, 22nd and 29th. There's two hours in each session. And then the special thing is that evening of the 29th, that final Saturday, we have a showcase where mm -hmm. people who are in the workshop can invite their friends and family to watch them perform an hour of improv. We teach them games every class. And then there's that showcase at the end. So we welcome folks from far and wide to join. You can sign up at tightropetheater.com and it's under the Improv for Wellness tab, Improv for Stuttering. And this Unblockables program is something that we hope will continue uh, throughout 2022 and beyond. And I would like to just underline what Dan said about welcoming people from far and wide. Because it's virtual, you can join, Robert's friends can join from Ireland. Um, my my uh, client from Ghana can join when he goes back there. It's okay. And you can definitely, definitely join from anywhere across Canada so and the U.S., so it's uh, very accessible to people. So you know, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I, you know, I have, uh, you know, I have another, you know, sixty-four dollar question. How has uh, improv changed your lives? It's obvious that it's, it's left an impact on your life. So, you want to share how improv changed your own personal lives? For me, it's been my practice as an actor. So studying as an actor and then wanting to do theater and film and television, it uh, has been improv that's given me that real home. So I can do other kinds of acting, but it's the way I express myself as an artist and the way that I collaborate with others in the world. So that's how it's changed my life. For me, it has actually changed my approach to treatment. I would say that having had these few experiences with improv for people who stutter, although it is true that I'm strict and a little bit of a, you know, hard ass with my clients, I think I'm more flexible than I used to be. I think I let more slide by than I used to be. And I emphasize more strongly that it's okay to do whatever you need to do to have success. I don't have rules for you about that. Lovely. For myself, as a person who stutters, it has been about finding a, a sense of freedom, a sense of expression. Um, I've used the acting and the Im improv in particular to really get, get to know who I am. Because as I said earlier, that whole idea of not really knowing myself, using improv, 
improv as a way to discover that and in the space of being in a space with someone else with learning how to actually be in the moment learning how to be myself in front of other human beings um, and it's become an awful lot less about the performative aspect to it and it really has given me a sense of knowledge of who who I am with with my stutter but I'm not defined by it if uh, you know someone is you know think, you know think you know thinking about uh, taking you know taking your uh, you know program within you know whether you know you're, you're a person who stutters or a non-person who stutters but you know what would be some of the um, you know how you know how would one know if someone is ready for the program like are, are they you know like uh, because I'm sure I'm sure it it, it is a very it actually can be a very challenging yet a fun program but when you know it is you know do, do, do you have any, any advice to somebody who is considering it and you know if somebody's ready for it i'll take a swing at that answer greg anyone is ready for it we have a policy in the program that suffering is optional and we have some folks who join in and they just watch and they just write in the chat that they don't feel like speaking today and they're still part of the group and they still get great value out of being there. So we'll take everyone, anyone, wherever they're at. And so you are ready now. Agreed. Nice answer, Dan, nice answer. That's great. So, so Kaylin, do you, do you have any more questions for the group here? I don't think so. I mean, it's it's been a great interview. This is our biggest group we've ever interviewed. It has, yeah. So yeah. it's been really interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you know, you know, like I have, you know, lots, you know, lots of more questions for you. But will you know, we'll have, you know, we will have you back again, though. Okay. Thank you. Thank you all very much. I mean. We you know, we've you know, we've learned you know learned 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 a lot tonight, and uh, so, you know, so uh, you, you know I'm sure that both Kayla and I have, have, have you know have, you know have, have you know have an you know have an overall you know more 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 of appreciation for for improv you know and, and much more to think about. Can you agree, Caitlin? Absolutely, for sure. Yeah. Okay, nice, nice to meet you all. Now. Okay, okay thank guys. You. Thank Have you guys day. so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Caitlin. Bye. Bye. Some Stutter Love, Newfoundland and Labrador's first podcast about stuttering, has so much to talk about. Let's start listening. This has been an episode of Some Stutter Love, Newfoundland and Labrador's first podcast about stuttering. Some Stutter Law is hosted and produced by Greg O'Grady, Caitlin Mayo, Dr. Paul DeDecker, Melanie Crane, Emily Murphy, and Luca Dinu. Some Stutter Law is available on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. You can also check out the Some Stutter Law channel on YouTube. To ask a question, send us a comment or suggestion, or just get in touch. Find us online at Some Stutter Podcast on Instagram or at Some Stutter Podcast on Facebook. Thanks for listening. <laughs>